Let me come out amongst you. Praise the Lord. It's good to see everybody in the house with the Lord tonight. Are you happy to be here? Come on, somebody. Yeah, this is a good thing. I uh, wanted to make a couple announcements to you. Uh, one is our youth are at the Fields of Faith tonight, so be praying for them that, that they have a move of the Lord out there and touch those young people's lives tonight. They always have a great attendance. So that's where all of our youth is tonight if you're looking for them. And uh, this Sunday and Sunday night, Andre Van Zyl will be here with us. Most of you know him. If you don't, you need to come and, and see him and get to know him, but he'll be here ministering both Sunday morning and Sunday night. Invite some people. Let's fill the house up and let the people be blessed by his ministry. Uh, if you have tithes and offering night, you can put them in the uh, offering box back there on your way out. And uh, we're going to get into the word of the Lord tonight. Uh, we're going to have a, a time of devotion, and then we have a time of prayer together. Believing that God is a God that answers prayers. Anybody in here got a need tonight? Just raise your hand up. Say, I've got a need. Well, I want you to know that he's able. He's able to even do exceedingly abundantly above what you're even going to ask or think. And that's our God. That's who we serve. So bringing the word tonight, would you please welcome Sister Rhonda Burden. still thinking about that song. That's actually one of my favorite songs because um, it hits me right here. Because all of my life, the Lord has been faithful. All of my life. I was standing over there thinking about it, reflecting over my life. And I was reminded I was naked coming into this world. And um, I didn't have one piece of clothing my family wasn't prepared for me. That's no joke. I was wrapped up in a sheet until someone went and got me some clothes and brought them to my mother. And I thought, from day one, you were faithful. You provided. It doesn't matter what it is. He always provides. So I'm thankful for that tonight. I'm just going to... Uh, I'm going to say a prayer before we get started. Father, I just thank you, Lord, for your mercy. I thank you for the goodness of God. I thank you that you are faithful. You are mighty to save, Lord. I thank you for your presence that is with us, Father. And Lord, I just want to cover this word tonight, this devotion, Father. Blanket it, Lord, with your anointing, Father. Lord, let your word go forth and accomplish whatsoever you choose, Lord. Let your word settle upon our hearts, Father, that it might take root, Lord. Help us, God, to apply it, Father, and to leave here, God, with a new awareness and a new revelation, Father, and uh, something that we can put into operation into our lives, Father, that we might become, Father, the, the army of believers that you have purposed and destined us to be, God, that we might accomplish your will in the earth. And we thank you for it. And we bless the mighty name of Jesus. Hallelujah. I'm going to uh, talk to you tonight about something you've probably heard me talk about before, but that's okay. Um, it's the authority of the believer. 
And uh, that right there is something in itself because it's specific. It's authority that belongs to the believer. Uh, Ephesians 6 and 12 says, For we're not fighting against flesh and blood enemies, but against evil rulers and authorities of the unseen world, against mighty powers in this dark world, and against evil spirits in the heavenly places. Luke 10 and 19 says, Behold, I give unto you power to tread on serpents and scorpions and over all the power of the enemy, and nothing shall by any means hurt you. Some of us think that um, this kind of authority is only given to a certain group of people in the body of Christ. Uh, Some of us think that it might belong to the remnant or the intercessors or the preacher or the teachers or the apostles, but that's not true. This God-given authority is not given to just me or to just you, but it's given to all of God's sons and daughters. It's given to every believer that will believe and put it into activation. Um. We receive this authority when we're born again. When you repent and ask Jesus to come into your heart, that authority that belongs to Christ is at that moment transferred into you. It is deposited into you. We're made new creatures in Christ Jesus. And at that moment, we inherit the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. And at that very moment, we can put that authority into activation. We activate that authority in prayer. That's what we've been doing here on Wednesday nights. See, the devil doesn't want you to know about the authority that belongs to you. Because as long as he can keep you in the dark about it, then he can keep you in a place um, of defeat. If he can keep you unaware and uninformed about the authority that you house through the blood of Jesus, then he has one up on you and he can bully you around. And when the devil bullies me around, that puts me in a really bad mood. And I don't like to be in that kind of a mood. Um, He doesn't want you to learn the truth about authority because he understands that when you learn the truth, when you get a revelation, hearing it is one thing, but when you get a revelation about it, that's something else. He doesn't want you to have a revelation about the authority that he's given you because then you will dominate him and then you will be victorious in every battle that he sets before you. And that's our goal as believers We are victorious. We have to learn how to operate and walk in that victory. Ephesians uh, 1, uh, 3 says, Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us with all spiritual blessings in heavenly places in Christ. This means that every spiritual blessing that there is in Christ belongs to you and me. It belongs to us. God didn't create you to live a life of defeat. He created you to live a life of blessing and victory. Authority belongs to us whether we realize it or not. And I'm going to share a little quick story with you that I read about a man who had a $20 bill in his billfold, and he forgot that he had it in his wallet. And he went to fill up his gas tank one day, and he started searching through his wallet, and he found the forgotten $20 bill. 
He couldn't say that he didn't have it because he had it all along. He'd been carrying it around in his wallet for many months, but because he didn't know that he had it, he couldn't use it. It was just as much his when he didn't know about the $20 as it was when he knew about it. See, we need to know what belongs to us, but it isn't just knowing it. It's knowledge acted upon that brings results. And again, Luke 10, 19, I'm going to read it to you again. It says, behold, I have given you power to tread on serpents, the enemy, and scorpions, and over all the power of the enemy, and nothing shall by any means hurt you. Although the word power is used twice in this verse, two different words are found in the original Greek. What Jesus actually said was, I have given you authority to tread on serpents and scorpions and over all the power of the enemy. We need to understand that Jesus is telling us that we've got authority over the power of the devil. We've got authority over demonic activity and evil spirits. We've got authority to cast down every evil imagination that creeps up in our minds. We should be very careful to understand that this authority doesn't belong to us because of who we are. It doesn't belong to us because of anything that we've done. That's more accurate. It does belong to us because of who we are. We are sons and daughters of the Lord. The value of our authority rests on the power that's behind that authority. God himself is the power behind our authority. The devil and his demons are obligated to recognize our God-given authority. The enemy knows the authority that you carry. The devil thought that he won when Jesus was crucified, but he wasn't expecting a resurrection. He was confused and bewildered when the ground began to shake and Jesus came up out of that grave. Jesus ascended into heaven and he's now seated at the right hand of the Father. And the Bible says that we, the sons and daughters of God, the redeemed are seated with Christ in heavenly places. That means that we're crucified with him, and when he's raised up, we're raised up. When he's seated, we're seated, because we're one with him. Jesus is the head, and we are the body. One without the other doesn't function. See, he needs the church to be in full operation. He needs the church to be working and operating in full power and authority that he has given to us. When Christ ascended to the right hand of the Father, he transferred his authority to the body of Christ. The Bible says that he is joined unto the he that is joined unto the Lord is one spirit. And because we are redeemed, we're one with Christ. We are seated at the right hand of the majestic one, and because all things are under his feet, all things have been put under our feet as well. So many times and this really struck me so many times, we want to preach the cross, and that's good. We can't be where we are, and we can't be saved without the crucifixion of Jesus. We know that, uh, but we can't stay there. We don't remain at the cross. We can't stay there. Um, I'm not devaluing the crucifixion of Jesus by no means, but we have to understand that the cross is a place of death, but it's the resurrection that is a place of life, and Jesus came to give us life. The resurrection of Jesus is where we have triumph and victory. 
We're no longer at the cross. We died with Christ, but he was raised up again, and we are raised together with him. And because of that, we are triumphant, and we are victorious in all things, in every battle that we come face to face with. Ephesians 6 and 12 says that we wrestle not against flesh and blood, but against principalities and against powers and against rulers of the darkness of this world, against spiritual wickedness in high places. And whatever you're struggling with right now, whoever you're at ought with, and whatever battle is going on with you in your life, it, it, there's a, a demonic force that's behind it. It's not me, and it's not you, and it's not your neighbor. It's the demonic force that's behind it. And we have to be mature enough in Christ Jesus to recognize that and to handle it appropriately. The enemy will use people to try to influence your thoughts and to try to influence your behaviors and your actions. And again, Jesus said, Behold, I give unto you power to tread on serpents and scorpions, And over all the power of the enemy and nothing, 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 nothing shall by any means hurt you. Nothing. This isn't my word. This is the word of the Lord. Nothing shall by any means hurt you. All the authority that can be exercised in the earth today has to be exercised through the church. It has to be exercised through the body of Christ. You know why? Because Christ Jesus is not here in the flesh, but you and I are. And we are his mouth, we are his hands, and we are his feet. We are his ears, and we do the work of the Lord here. It doesn't matter, and hear me, it doesn't matter if you've been saved for 10 minutes or 10 days or 10 years. You have authority through Christ Jesus to overcome and conquer the enemy. You have the same authority in Christ Jesus through the blood of Jesus that Paul had to cast out demons. We have the same authority against the work of the enemy. We have authority to overcome and to be victorious, and to conquer the enemy. I don't like to lose. My kids will tell you that. And if you play a game with me, and if you sit beside me, you might get hurt, or I might get hurt, but one of us might end up injured. But that's just the way that it is. There's a competitiveness in me. I don't like to lose, and I don't like to especially lose and get whipped up and beat up by the devil. So as long as I have doubt and unbelief in my mind or at operation in me, I'm very likely to get whipped and get beat up by the enemy. So we need to be careful to recognize the spirit of doubt and the spirit of unbelief. Those aren't just emotions and those are not just thoughts. When doubt and unbelief is in operation in your life, that is a spirit and we need to recognize it. And because the authority of the Lord Jesus Christ resides in me and dwells in me, I have the power, I have the authority to cast it off and to resist it and to reject it and to speak it to flee from me. 
and you do too. Smith Wigglesworth said, I'm not moved by what I see. He said, I'm not moved by what I feel. I'm moved by what I believe. So we need to be praying if there be any unbelief hidden in our hearts. Lord, purge that from me. Don't let it stay. Open my eyes to it that I can see it so that I can deal with it appropriately. And Lord, let it be filled. Let that place be healed and filled with belief. And we have to put on the mind of God. And in the mind of God, we were raised with Christ Jesus. That's how the Lord sees you. The Lord doesn't see you down here. The Lord sees you seated with him in heavenly places. Ephesians 1.21 tells us that we're seated far above principality and power and might and dominion. You have power and authority over your own life. You have power and authority over your own thoughts. You have power and authority over your own decisions and over your own household and over your own mind. We have authority in prayer. The Lord has given us that authority in prayer. James 4, 7 says, resist the devil and he will flee from you. And when you look up the word flee, one of the meanings means to run from as if in terror. So when you resist the devil, he runs from you in terror because you have operated the power and the authority of the Lord Jesus Christ. It's not you that the enemy is afraid of. Let's make that clear. There's nothing about me that scares the enemy. It is who I represent. It is who is in me. It is the spirit of the living God that dwells in me that he is afraid of. It's his authority that is in me that the enemy is afraid of. Jesus, talking about people that need healing, Jesus doesn't even talk in the scripture in terms of believers praying for healing. That surprised me too. Instead, scripture, he says that they shall lay hands on the sick and they shall recover. The disciples prayed, but when they prayed for the sick, when it came to healing, they didn't pray, they gave commands. They gave commands. They spoke to that disease. They spoke to that sickness. And they spoke to that body because they operated in the authority of Jesus Christ. When you lay hands on the sick and when you pray by faith, faith is a part of it as well, but when you pray by faith and appropriate the word of God, you're exercising authority, your God-given authority over the enemy, the devil. The authority is yours, whether you feel like you've got it or not. I don't feel like I have authority, but I know that I do because the word of God says that I do. Mark 16, 17, and 18 says, These signs will follow those who believe. In my name they will cast out demons. They will speak with new tongues. They will take up serpents. And if they drink anything deadly, it will by no means hurt them. This authority has to be put in action. Our God-given authority is activated by faith. And I just want to go back to that scripture right there. The scripture tells us that we will do, um, we will do even more than what Christ did. But before we can even consider doing that, we have to be able to do the things that Christ said that we can do, things that he did. He said that we can do things that he did in the earth. Um, why do we need to understand and exercise our authority? Why is it important? 
because you have a purpose and you have a destiny and the Lord needs you. The Lord needs you to be in operation in all of the spiritual blessings that he has given you. And if we're going to reach our destiny and if we're going to reach our purpose, then we have to know how to live out the blessings of God, the authority and the power that God has given to us. We need to be in operation of the authority that the Lord has put into us because when you gave your life to Christ, you enlisted in a spiritual army and that's what we are here. And if you were to close your eyes and not look around and see people sitting on these pews in our clothes and if you would imagine each and every one of us adorned in the armor of God with our swords and our helmets and our shields and our our but our belts and our breastplate of righteousness, if you would close your eyes and imagine that, you would see an army sitting here because that's what we are. And we're, we're in a spiritual warfare and we've got to arm ourselves with every tool and every weapon that's in our arsenal. The enemy of our soul is out to steal, kill, and destroy. And like I know you all are like me. It seems like everywhere you turn anymore, it's one thing after another. But that's okay because that means that you're still in the fight. And we need to know the strategies of the Lord. Hosea says, my people are destroyed for lack of knowledge. And Jesus said, and you shall know the truth and the truth shall make you free. And I just want to go quickly to Luke 19 and 13. And Jesus said to occupy till I come. To occupy in the way that he wants us to occupy. We need to recognize and activate the authority of Christ Jesus. He didn't say occupy until you're done. He didn't say occupy until all of your strength is depleted and you have none left. He didn't say be comfortable, kick back and recline until I come. He didn't say wait for me to show up and rescue you from everything that's going on around you. He said occupy until I come. That is an active word. We are to occupy in the authority of the Lord because the word of the Lord for the season that we're in right now is to establish an understanding of military occupation. The assignment of the occupying army is to recognize the day you were born again, you were enlisted in an army. And 2 Timothy 2, 3, and 4 says, you therefore must endure hardship as a soldier of Jesus Christ. No one engaged in warfare entangles himself with the affairs of this life that he may please him who enlisted him as a soldier. Another translation says, no one enlisted in war entangles himself in civilian life. A soldier doesn't get tangled up in the temporal, but his goal is to please the one who enlisted him. You were enlisted in this army by Christ Jesus. And that's where our focus needs to stay. We have to stay on things that are eternal. We don't get entangled in the things that are temporal and the things that don't matter and the things that aren't going to have an eternal effect. We need, to think, we need not think it's strange when the enemy comes against us. We need to think it's strange when our... We need not think it's strange when the enemy comes against us and our backs are against the wall and we find ourselves in a corner. But it's time to pull out your warfare fatigues, and that's prayer and the word and faith and operating in the gifts of the spirit. A soldier has authority that a civilian doesn't have. 
He can go places that a civilian can't go. He can do things that a civilian doesn't have the right to do. Because you are a soldier of Christ Jesus, because you house the authority of Christ Jesus, you, have a, you can do things that a civilian can't do. You can go places that a civilian can't go. You can walk through doors that a civilian can't walk through. A civilian or a soldier of Christ Jesus has a different purpose. And we've got to understand that God's no longer looking for a congregation. He's no longer looking for congregants. He's looking for soldiers. He's looking for people who can shift the outcome of situations. That means we're going to have to go from being spectators to being participators. It means we have to prepare ourselves to go from being a congregant to being a combatant. We have to prepare ourselves to go from being an audience to being an army. It means that if you've lived your whole life as a congregant or an observer, then now is the time to make that shift and and become a participant and a combatant. It's time to strap up your combat boots and march into battle and put the enemy on defense. That's what we are called to do. We are not called to be a people that is always running from the enemy. We are called to be a people that is empowered by God, empowered and strengthened by the baptism of the Holy Ghost with the evidence of speaking in tongues that we might be able to stand against the darts of the enemy and fight back with fervent intercessory prayer to put the enemy on defense, to have an ear to hear what the Spirit of God would speak to us so that we would know what the heart of God is so that we know what's going to be an effective, fervent prayer that's going to put the kingdom of darkness at bay and hold back the hand of the enemy. We've got to have the mindset and the posture of an occupying army. A soldier has a mission, a vision, and a strategy. And I was very curious um, to know what the world's view is of a soldier. So I looked it up. I looked up um, what does it mean to be a soldier of the United States. And when you pull up the page, this is what it said. And when I read this, I thought, hmm, they took that out of the word. This is what it says. It says, the Army's vision and strategy, our purpose remains constant. Our purpose remains constant. And it says, our strategy is to deploy, to fight, and to win our nation's wars by providing ready, prompt, and sustained land dominance by army forces across the full spectrum of conflict as part of the joint force. The army mission is vital to the nation because we are the service capable of defeating enemy ground forces and indefinitely seizing and controlling those things an adversary prizes most. And guess what that is? It's land, it's resources, and it's population. Is that not what the enemy wants? Is that not what our spiritual enemy comes against us to try to to take from us? Is our land, our nation, its resources, and its population? Because that's what our goal should be as the body of Christ, as an army of God, is to go out into the land and to, to bring the civilians into the family of God. The harvest. That's what we call it, is the harvest. 
And the last part of its uh, mission is deploy, fight, and win decisively against an adversary. This might be my favorite part. Anytime and anywhere in a joint, multi-domain, high-intensity conflict, which simultaneously deterring others and maintaining its ability to conduct irregular warfare. Irregular warfare. Anytime and anywhere. That struck me, irregular warfare, because some of the things that some of us have been going through lately, you just want to sit back and laugh because you think, are you kidding me? Are you serious? This is ridiculous, but this is what's happening. We are in a spiritual warfare, and we have to shift our mindsets so that we don't become needless casualties of warfare. We have to shift our mindsets from going from God bless me God bless my house, God bless my finances, and bless my kids, which we should be covering all of those things every day, but that should not be our main focus. We need to shift from those things to, God, I want my priority to be your kingdom. God, let your kingdom come. Let your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. God, stir up a hunger in me that can't be satisfied. Stir up a hunger in me that causes me to want you more. God, show me your heart. God, show me your glory. God, let the all-consuming fire of the Holy Spirit burn in me until there's nothing left to burn. God, change me. Let there be less of me and more of you. Let me decrease and you increase. Let others see you in me that we might be influencers for a nation that would, that would change a nation, that would bring others to want to know more about you. When we become that kind of a steward, when we become that kind of a soldier, then all of those other things, that I named in the beginning will just fall into place. And the Bi- this is the last thing I'm going to leave you with. The Bible tells us in Joel 3.10, beat your plowshares into swords and your pruning hooks into spears. Let the weak say, I am strong. Another version of that same scripture says, hammer your plowshares into swords and your pruning tools into spears. Train even your weaklings to be warriors. So whatever you have, whatever is in your possession, turn it into your weapon. Turn your prayer into your weapon. Turn your devotion, the word of God, into your weapon. The word of God is your weapon. When the enemy starts coming at you, you can just start scrolling out the word. Just start speaking the word. He'll flee. He will run from you in terror. When you... When you have a problem, instead of going to someone, you go to the Lord and you take it to the Lord in prayer and you let that anger come out in prayer, you're going to put the enemy on the defense. He's going to run in terror. He's going to run and flee. Doug Small was at our church many years ago and I heard him say one time, you need to redirect your anger. And that settled in my heart. And that is where my prayer comes from. I'm angry at the enemy and it comes out in me. It comes out in me in prayer. Hallelujah. Whatever you have in your hand, turn it to the good. Whatever is in your hand, no matter how small and how insignificant you have, whatever you have, 
turn it into a weapon because that's what this scripture is telling you to do. Whether you're a farmer, whether you're an athlete running, run for Jesus. It doesn't matter what it is. Do it for the Lord. Hallelujah. Praise the mighty name of Jesus. Hallelujah. Praise the name of Jesus. So we're going to go ahead and pray tonight. And if you want to come and make your way up here, we're going to pray. I don't have a specific thing to pray because I think every time we come together, we need to be praying for the body of Christ. We need to be praying for the harvest and we need to be praying for the nation. Those are the three, the three things that I believe are on the forefront of God's mind.